and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. 
for this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Testament for this Trinity Sunday is from the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and following. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, 
and darkness was all over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their own kind, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, which according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, <clears throat> and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. <clears throat> and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, 
Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every kind of bird in the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that, was, that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. <clears throat> Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This lesson is recorded for us in the second chapter of the book of Acts, beginning at the 14th verse. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, <clears throat> I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul in Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. 
We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. On this Trinity Sunday, we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Athanasian Creed, which confesses the fullness of the Trinity. We read it responsively. Whoever desires to be saved must above all hold the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. For the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit, the Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated, the Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal, just as there are not three uncreated, or three infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. In the same way, the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, the Holy Spirit Almighty, and yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. And so the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and yet there are not three gods, but one God. And so the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord, and yet there are not three lords, but one Lord. Just as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord, so also are we prohibited by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or lords. The Father is not made nor created nor begotten by anyone. The Son is neither made nor created but begotten of the Father alone. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. And thus there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And in this Trinity, 
None is before or after another. None is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal with each other and co-equal. So that in all things, as has been stated above, the Trinity in unity and unity in Trinity is to be worshipped. And therefore, whoever desires to be saved must think thus about the Trinity. But it is also necessary for everlasting salvation that one faithfully believe the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is the right faith that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is at the same time both God and man. He is God, begotten from the substance of the Father before all ages, and he is man, born from the substance of his mother in this age. Perfect God and perfect man, composed of a rational soul and human flesh, equal to the Father with respect to his divinity, less than the Father with respect to his humanity. Although he is God and man, he is not two, but one Christ. One, however, not by the conversion of the divinity into flesh, but by the assumption of the humanity into God. One altogether, not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person. For as the rational soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. At his coming, all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life, and those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved.
28th chapter of St. Matthew. Our Lord said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Christian friends, and especially today, you confirmands, Nicholas and Sarah and Ian. We just sang it, holy, 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 merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. The scripture declares it to us, and therefore we confess it. But the human mind cannot fully process it. And indeed, treading beyond what God has revealed about himself regarding who he is and and how he is, it can undo even the brightest of us. Fact is, it almost undid St. Augustine, perhaps the most brilliant Christian theologian of the early church, certainly of his day, the, the late 4th and early 5th centuries. Augustine tells that he'd been at great pains to understand fully and to comprehend and then much less to explain this mystery of the Holy Trinity. In fact, he said the deeper he reasoned about it and he thought about it, the more confused he got until at last, as he said, he began to lose his faith. And then he tells that it was one night that he had a dream. He dreamt that he was casually walking along the seashore when he came across a young boy there. Now the boy, who wore a rather determined look upon his face, was quite busy. He was busy taking a bucket and full of purpose walking with that bucket down to the sea where he'd scoop it up full of ocean water and then march up to a a little hole that he'd dug in the sand and then pour that ocean water into the hole and then turn right around and march down to the sea again and scoop more and do it again and again and again. Intrigued by it, in his dream, Augustine asked the boy, he said, boy, what are you doing? Without breaking working stride, the boy looked up at Augustine and in a most confident tone, he said, sir, I'm, I'm emptying out the ocean. And then the Christian thinker awoke from his dream with a newfound contentment. Because he realized he too had been trying to empty out the ocean. Would that we try fully to understand God. We too would be filling buckets of futility. Because that ocean is too big. Even St. Paul, who was no slouch of a theologian himself. St. Paul, who after 11 chapters of divinely inspired words to the Romans would finally break out and say... Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his ways past finding out. Past finding out. On our own, it's true, past finding out. Independent scientific research cannot contain God in a test tube, can't confine him in a laboratory or place him under a microscope. Psychologists can't psychoanalyze him on the couch. Investigators can't interrogate him under the bright lights. Biologists can't dissect him on the table. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, declares the Lord, 
So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than yours. He simply is too big for us. Let's be clear about something. Though too much for our small minds, these mini processors of ours, to put it in computer terms, though too too large for our small minds, these mini processors to comprehend, he's not at all unknown to us. And this is an important distinction to make. How God is, what he is, this even the angels who behold him constantly, Even they are at a loss to explain, and they still marvel over and always will. How God is what he is, that light we can't begin to approach. But that he is what he is, this we know. Because he's told it to us in the Holy Scriptures. He's revealed it to us as the contramans could tell you. As they told us in their interviews recently, God is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent. All-powerful, he's omnipresent and immutable, unchanging and transcendent, high above and yet at the same time imminent in all things. He's triune. And he's got many other characteristics which he's revealed to us, but he's given these to us to know about him. And so in today's text, the text that we hear today consider on this Sunday of the Holy Trinity, on this day on which we also mark the confirmation of these three individuals. The text that we hear today in this text, we're given another bit about God to consider. But this bit, this is a special bit about Him because it's His name. The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Three persons, one name. Now, names certainly can be awfully informative. They can tell us an awful lot about a person. For instance, they can describe a family occupation as so many of our names do. The name, names like Baker, Shoemaker, Smith, family occupations perhaps. Or they can tell us of a family relationship like the name Erickson. So often names are descriptive in that regard. You think about the name of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Certainly descriptive, these words are. But, friends, what he's given us here in this text, in his name, it's far more than a point of information about him. No, but rather it's, it's the point of contact to him. The point of contact to him. And that's a marvelous thing. Theologian, Lutheran theologian, John Kleinig helps us to understand the magnitude of this gift. God giving his name to us. This point of contact to him. In an article that he entitled, Why Name God? Kleinig writes this. He says, the greatest gift which God gave to the people of Israel in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, was his holy name. He explains, in this one gift, he included all other gifts which he ever offered his people. When God gave his name to the Israelites, he gave them himself. For by his name, they had access to him personally. By his name, they had access to him. We have access to him personally. And that is something to think about. 
in that name, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we have an audience. Think about it. An audience with God, the Father Almighty Himself. The advocacy of God the Son. The comfort and the consolation of God the Holy Spirit. And you think about that for a moment and we realize the importance of that name given to us, given for us. It can't be overstated. Precisely because we are who we are. A race of creatures that has separated itself. Collectively, we've separated ourselves from him. Isaiah tells us that it's our sin that has separated us from him. And in this day and age, sin is so often swept under the proverbial rug. But let's be clear where scripture is clear. It's sin that has separated us from our God. The, the psalmist clarifies even further that this condition isn't something that we obtain sometime at some period in our life. As the confirmands learned in their instruction, and many of you have too, the psalmist says, no, but from conception even. Brought forth in iniquity and even from the point of conception. It's our sin that accounts for the paradise of, of the Old Testament reading that we heard today. Paradise lost. It's sin. That's the fruit of that hand of the first woman. And the first man that reached out to take hold of that which was forbidden to them. And contrary to God's will for them. Certainly we can't blame Adam and Mother Eve only. How often have you and I, how many times have we reached out to obtain for ourselves that which was contrary to God's will for us, never intended by God for us? It's sin, and it's real. And it separates us from God and from one another. And so, we'd have to say John Kleinig in his quotation is right. For fallen creatures like us, the blessing of this name and all that it embodies and the access that this name gives, it is the greatest. Greatest thing that our God can offer to us. Of course, be it for the people of the Old Testament or for we, the people of His New Testament, the gift of His name and the access freely given to you by that gift and freely given to you by that gift was certainly far from free. Well, it cost you nothing. It cost you absolutely nothing. One of the confirmation verses you'll hear today reminds us it was by grace we have been saved and this a gift from God. Well, it cost you nothing. It cost God dearly. In the council of the Holy Trinity, from eternity it was determined that God the Father would send God His Son to become our flesh and blood, yours and mine. And by His Son's perfect life lived, He'd replace our imperfect one that we've lived. And by His Son's sacrificial death, Upon the cross, he would make perfect and complete satisfaction. And hear that loudly and clearly. Perfect and complete satisfaction for all of your sins and all of mine. Confirmands yours too. And that's exactly what God the Holy Spirit in the scriptures tells us. It's what he tells us about the love of God, the Father demonstrated in God, his Son, and how dear it is. 
How dear it is to the ears of those of us who know ourselves to have been separated from God by our sin. How dear it is to hear these words of scripture where God tells us you who were once far off have now been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For God was in Christ, scripture says, reconciling the world, bringing the world and himself together, reconciling the world unto himself, not counting our trespasses against us. And the gift, this gift is intended for all. Indeed, all nations, right? But the access is through that triune name. And, and you, confirmants, you were connected to that triune name. And all of the blessings that it embodies, as were we all, from the day that, that you were baptized. Baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One on an April day and one of you on an August day and one on a September day some 14 or so years ago. And on that day, you first wore his name and bore his name. And with it, all of the righteousness of Christ Jesus that was clothed upon you, placed upon you, symbolized so often by the wearing of a white robe at baptism, perhaps, or like the white robes in which you're clothed today. And through the years, you've been taught, as have we all been taught, the things the Lord has instructed that his church hold dear, as you confirmants have been instructed in the articles of the faith, learning by his words and his gracious deeds who this loving God is, and what he's done for you. And it's in his name, just as we did this morning, it's in his name that we begin our services, for it's right here, dear friends. It's right here where God the Father who created and preserves us still. It's here where God the Son who has redeemed us, where God the Holy Spirit who yet sanctifies us. It's right here where God condescends to meet us, to meet us in his word and his sacraments, preaching. Baptism, the Holy Supper, the supper that you three today, for the first time in your lives, will receive when you here today receive the very body and blood of your Lord Jesus Christ. It's a meal that you here below will never outgrow. Here today, here we are, this verse of our sermon text in full motion. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, through the church, doing what the church has been established to do, that's making disciples of all nations and all the world, by baptizing them, incorporating them into that saving name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that he's commanded, namely the, the preaching and the sacraments. The word here in the original Greek is really quite revealing. Our versions often convey a sense that God's given some commands and rules and, and we're to keep them, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. But really, the word is actually tereo in the Greek and its meaning is far more tender than that. It's far more tender than a cold keeping of the rules. It means cherishing and treasuring the determined embracing of something that is so dear to you that you would not let it go even at the risk of, of pain, at the cost of life. 
confirmands in just a few minutes, you will make a solemn vow that you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and church and to suffer all, even death rather than fall away from it. The confession of that triune name that by grace you bear may one day require that of you. God knows. But know this for certain. That if it does, in that day, he will most certainly give you the strength to endure it. But likely most won't be called to lay down their lives for the confession of the faith. More likely you'll be called, as you are even now, to confess the triune name of God in the very ordinary and average and the very daily things of life, school, and work home, at the dinner table, and the things that we do as we live our lives. And this too may cost you. Unwilling to compromise the convictions that you hold, you may lose friends. Popularity may suffer. Conversation, communication perhaps with relatives or family may wane. Opportunities may prove elusive as the culture around you becomes more and more intolerant of the faith and the convictions that you hold and cherish. The confession of the faith you've held since baptism may cost you, may cost us all here below, sometimes little, sometimes much. But whether little or much, what price? What price when we compare it to the promise of our Lord who said, Confess my name before men, and I will confess your name before my Father who is in heaven. As the choir sang for us this morning, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I'll mention this lastly this morning. During the Second World War, there was, as some may recall, a long and a grueling siege by the Nazi army of the Soviet city of Leningrad, and food was scarce, and it was winter time. And at one point during the siege, many of the Russian parents, in order to try to spare their children from starvation and also from capture by the Nazis, loaded their young ones onto trucks to send them across the frozen lake and into safer locations. And it's said that many of the mothers, certain that they would never again see their children, yelled out to them as they were being driven away. The trucks pulled away. They yelled out, remember your name. Remember your name. You're Christians. Confirmants. Remember the name of the one into whom you were baptized. And the the name... That promises us eternal life. In that name, the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
hosts of heaven and thou call upon him for the needs of the church, for the world, and for all people, we pray. O Holy Father, in your Holy Son, you have brought your church to new birth through water and the Holy Spirit. Thrice Holy One, continue to blow the breath of your life and mercy upon your people, that remaining in the grace of our baptism, we may daily die to sin and rise again to new life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As your church proclaims the name of your Son and his saving work throughout the world, bless her and by your Holy Spirit accomplish your good work through her. To that end, graciously work through the office of the Holy Ministry among us, that as we hear your word preached and taught and receive your sacraments administered, that we may be enabled by these holy gifts to live out our lives as your people in this congregation, in our homes, in our communities and vocations. In and through your church, may the words in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit resonate throughout the world unto the end of the age. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Silence, O Lord of hosts, those who would silence the voice of your church in the world. Preserve those persecuted for your name's sake and protect your church from doctrine and practice that are contrary to your word and from all of the enticing philosophies of our time. To that end, we pray especially for our confirmands this morning, that being faithful unto you and in communion with, with your church unto the end, that they would receive the gift of everlasting life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Sustain the governments that you ordain to rule, that through the righteous enforcement of law and the protection of human life, the schemes of the lawless may be curbed as justice is established and as it is maintained and civil order and peace prevail. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide our President and Congress in the courts of our land. Grant success to our armed forces as they serve in distant places and preserve all at home and abroad who risk their lives to protect us from all that would do us harm. Bless the efforts of the compassionate nations of the world who reach out to the world's suffering masses, especially the hundreds of thousands in Burma and China who suffer from earthquakes and cyclones that have devastated these faraway places. And in our own land, be with and help those who grieve loss of life and home because of tornado and flood and fire. And especially now as we enter into the fire season, do we pray for the safety of firefighters everywhere. Protect all who protect us and be the comfort of those who suffer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be with our families and preserve our homes where there is strife, bring healing and reconciliation. Where conflict will not be resolved because of pride, bring repentance and confession and forgiveness and the resolve to move forward in peace. Where there is unemployment, grant opportunity. Where there is confusion about the future, grant clarity of vision. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, in your mercy, you are mindful of all of our needs. Visit those who are sick and so in need of your healing power to, by your grace that enables them to endure their suffering. To that end, we pray especially for Paul DeWell and Dick and Elsie Marjorie Fleming. We pray also for Joe Phillips as he prepares for cataract surgery this week. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With your servant, Pastor John Bestel and his wife, Rachel, and all their family, we thank you for preserving mother and child through the delivery of Isaac Joseph, and for today making one of our own, your own, through the cleansing and regenerating waters of holy baptism, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, in your holy supper, you bring us into the very presence of your holiness. Here, heaven's portal is opened, 
that in these moments we might receive the very body and blood of your Son. By your Spirit, strengthen the faith of those who receive this blessed food of life, and keep us through Christ unto life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, we give thanks for all that you have gone before us in the faith, and we pray that you would keep us unto the end, and receive us unto yourself, and bring us with all your saints to the exaltation of your heavenly throne, that we might there join the heaven's ranks in awe as they proclaim, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Father, we commend them all for whom we pray. For from you and through you and to you are all things. To Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be glory and praise now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Today, two young brothers in Christ and a sister in Christ are prepared to publicly acknowledge and confess the faith in Christ, which they were freely given by the gracious work of God's Spirit when they were baptized into Christ Jesus. They have been prepared for this public acknowledgement of our faith by satisfactorily completing two years of instruction in the teachings of the Lutheran Church. Furthermore, through an individual 20-minute interview with the pastors and elders, each has demonstrated an understanding of the doctrines of scripture as taught in Luther's small catechism. Therefore, they today stand before you to publicly confess their baptismal faith, pledging themselves to the triune God and to the doctrines of his holy word. The following catechumens are now presented for the rite of confirmation in the Lutheran Church of our Savior. Ian Milton. Jose Rodriguez. Nicholas Rodriguez. Sarah Shedler. Dr. Mann. Beloved in the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ said to his apostles, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even unto the end of the age. You've been baptized and catechized in the Christian faith according to the Lord's bidding. And Jesus said, whoever then confesses me before men I will also confess before my Father, which is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Lift up your hearts, therefore, unto God of all grace, and joyfully give answer to what I now ask you in the name of the Lord. Do you this day, in the presence of God and of this congregation, acknowledge the gift of faith that God gave you in your baptism? Yes, I do. Do you renounce the devil? Yes, I renounce them. Do you renounce all of his works? Yes, I renounce them. Do you renounce all of his ways? Yes, I renounce them. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? Yes, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. 
And do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord? Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From the next will come to judge the living and the dead. And do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Do you hold all of the prophetic and apostolic scriptures to be the inspired word of God? I do. And do you confess the doctrine of the Evangelical Lutheran Church drawn from the scriptures as you have learned to know it from the small catechism to be faithful and true? I do. And do you intend to hear the word of God and to receive the Lord's Supper faithfully? I do, by the grace of God. And do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word and deed, to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even unto death? I do, by the grace of God. And do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? I do by the grace of God. We rejoice then with thankful hearts that you've been baptized and have received the teaching of the Lord. You have confessed the faith. You have been absolved of your sins. As you continue to hear the Lord's word and receive his blessed sacrament, he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Ian Luke Tyndall Milton, Sarah Ruth Ann Shedler, Nicholas Ellen Rodriguez, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you the new birth of water and of the Spirit, and has forgiven you all of your sins, strengthen you with his grace, even unto life everlasting. Amen. Ian, Luke, Tyndall, Milton. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. John 10, verses 27 and 28. By grace are ye saved through faith, and this not by yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Nicholas Allen Rodriguez. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. Bow our heads in prayer. Almighty and most merciful God, in the waters of holy baptism, you united your children in the suffering and the death of your Son, Jesus Christ, cleansing them in his blood. Your indwelling spirit enables them to live in daily repentance of sin with a faith that ever clings to Christ. Deliver them from the power of Satan. Preserve them from the false and dangerous doctrines of our times. Keep them steadfast in the faith as they hear your word concerning Christ and receive his body and blood. Indeed, by the holy supper they are about to receive, strengthen them to confess with their mouths what they by grace believe with their hearts, and enable them to find courage and comfort and joy in that confession, that strengthened by the sacrament and the fellowship of your church, they may love you and their neighbor and be able to bear whatever cross they require to bear in life. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ian, Sarah, Nicholas, welcome to the table of our Lord.
Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
given it to death for you.
Thank you.